0: The Oracle Network. Hello and welcome to a special minisode of Ye Old Crime, the show where Maddie and I discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear every Wednesday. This special bi weekly segment is called Can You Crack the Cramp Word? Which is slang for a difficult or obscure term, which I thought was very fitting. And joining me today, not only is Madison, who is hey. stereotypically not on this, it's because I don't know. I don't want her to yeah, be on it, really I guess. I know
1: either, actually. I don't sure know why. why. Yeah,
0: maybe I should bring you on.
1: Yeah, if you want, I'm I'm down. But like, also, you do you if you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, <do> these two. <laughs> Figured I'd share this time just because we do have very special guests from yes. across the pond who are John, Claire, and Gareth from the Everyone Dies in Sunderland podcast.
2: Yay. Good evening. Hello, hello. Slightly special
3: guests.
0: <laughs> so before we begin, I would like to give each of them the opportunity to tell us a little more about themselves and the podcast before Maddie asks them some probing questions. So whoever would like to start, go, go ahead.
2: I think John should go first as our ringleader.
0: Yeah.
3: Cowards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so Everyone Lives in Sunderland is a podcast about growing up terrified in the 80s and 90s. So I kind of felt that kind of all the 80s, kind of got narrowed down into like two or three things. So if you see like a compilation of like, oh, here's a package showing you what the 80s were like. You know, in our case, it's kind of like Charles and Diana got married, which was lovely. Then there was the miners' strike, which was a bit of a shame. But don't worry, here's a man in red braces dancing while swigging from a bottle of champagne. That means economic boom. (laughs) <laughs> so the comes out and says, "Don't worry, there won't be a hurricane." And there was a hurricane, and that's the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same with um, you know the '90s. The same. It's like here's Blur and Oasis releasing a single on the same day, and then Tony Blair's Prime Minister died died, which is a shame. And I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And that's the 90s. But that's that's kind of not how I remember it. I remember being alarmed at all the terrible things that were always happening. And kind of we say in our show description, the old days, children played out in the street. Everyone left their doors open. Children got murdered. Everyone (laughs) got burgled. And it's kind of like there's a temptation if you spend too much time on the Internet to think everything's awful now. But I just remember it being so much worse growing up. Oh
0: yeah, for sure.
3: And like in, in practical terms, we came about because uh, me and Gareth used to do radio shows together, and then um, ended up working together about ten years later, which we took as a sign we should sign up, to join a podcast, and, and start and, a podcast together.
2: And, and for me, I got press ganged into it, so um, I had very little <laughs> choice in other than to support John as my friend and his wild ambitions to relive the heady days of student radio, essentially. I say ringleader what I, what I fundamentally mean is captor
3: so <laughs> oh, we've, we've said before uh, Claire is uh, it's is the Caitlin Olsen we brought into the gang uh, by which we mean she wasn't in the pilot
1: <laughs> oh,
4: rude
3: and she looks like a bird she look
4: like I a am bird. not a bird I do Charlie work for you guys that's who I am <laughs>
2: And we've all established that I'm Danny DeVito, so yes, there we go. Sure. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Ori- originally, we had this idea that there was there was a weird Mormon girl who used to wander around our office, alarming people. I think she worked there. And uh, she <laughs> one day in a meeting, someone said, "What do you think, Alex?" And she said, "I think we should bring back the death penalty." And she worked in accounts. <laughs> um, But that didn't work out. And thank God it didn't, because as everyone who's read our reviews will know, Claire is by far the most popular thing about the show. The reviews are all like, this has a good theme song and I like Claire.
4: (laughs) I'm the only reason that people listen to you two rambling on about cricket and Doctor Who. (laughs)
0: Well, would you like to start the interview questions, Maddie?
1: Yeah. So, John, what inspired you to create the show?
3: I think it was, it was just that, really. I mean, I think the, the, the point I kind of always say is that in the early 90s, there were these two murders where I live in County Durham, and one of them is the still unsolved murder of a delivery driver on Christmas Eve, which involved a fake Chinese food order being placed from the um, call box at the literally end of my road. And there's another one where a man uh, built a house in an area not zoned for housing by claiming it was a nuclear bunker. And he went on a televised shooting spree um, and somehow ended up a local hero. And it's, it's kind of the point that, you know, people think, like we were saying, like, oh, you know, it's, it was, it's, everything's terrible nowadays. Like, these things were literally, like, happening just down the road from me when I was growing up, playing on my mech drive. And, you know, they, people don't remember them. And it's kind of like there are so much yeah. crazy things That people just have completely decided to forget as a society. Like we're just, I'm just finishing editing the the first of our um, our first ever three parter, which as we've been saying is we called it Britain Goes Berserk in March 1988. There was like a a 10 day period in 1988 in March when there was uh, well the SAS it's like our special forces killed some people in the street, which led to a gunfight at a funeral, which in turn led to a public lynching. And, you know, it's fairly memorable. And I remember it happening and being scared witless by it as a you know, seven-year-old. Yeah. But, like, no one ever remembers it. He talks of people, are like, oh, you know, do you remember do you remember the Milltown Cemetery Massacre? Do you remember the Death on the Rock? And people are like, I have literally no idea what you're talking about. Can I applaud, John, your um, immediate
2: rubbing up the right way of our international audience by calling it a call box? rather than a telephone box, and then take that straight away from you by calling it a Mega Drive rather than a Genesis.
3: Oh, well, fair enough. In our first ever show, I mentioned the Metro Centre, and you were like, what if someone in America listens? They won't know what the Metro Centre is. And then we had this a slight dialogue about you and me going like, I think they can understand it some more. But yeah. it's glad that you've come full circle on that one kicking me up on what format I was using to play Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, which is a slightly more problematic game than it was at the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so
4: Claire, how did the three of you meet? So I actually have never properly met Gareth in the real human flesh, which is probably a benefit for him because he hasn't had to deal with my outrageous arm-wielding and slightly Italian gesticulation. Um,
2: And and I own two dogs that I'd like to stay alive as well.
4: I'm not a dog murderer! (laughs) I have a bad reputation among the podcasting community for murdering animals and I literally have never (laughs) murdered anything yet.
3: Right, yes. you just
4: pick them up yes. off the
1: road, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: You just—they're already road dead. Roadkill, road spot on, but not murderous. I mean, I probably <laughs> would commit murder if I was pushed far enough. Anyway, so yeah. yeah so, I, got,
1: <laughs> I, I hope you killed. know. I think we will have to clarify the roadkill thing for our listeners. Oh yeah, they don't know. They don't. We don't do that here as often.
4: Oh, so roadkill. So, yeah, in the UK, if you <laughs> run over something that is is edible, you can pick it up and eat it, but anyone else passing by can because otherwise it's classed as like, I think it's basically classed as murderous rage. So, yes, yeah, so if you find anything dead on the road, you can pick it up, eat it, like take it home, butcher it, do what you need to do. Sometimes you get some really interesting things. So sometimes I've had deer. Because, you know, people hit deer. Yeah. People hit medicine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Small birds, rabbit, like, pick it up, take it home, freeze it, butcher it, side.
2: I feel like you're going Roadkill. slightly off topic here, Claire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just a little bit. Roadkill friendship, you know. sounds <laughs> yeah. the same. So
4: I've actually only met John. And I met John through his, his beautiful wife, Susie, or... Hang on. concerts Premier Ellie Kemper impersonator and she was on my Roller Derby league. We used to play a Roller Derby together um back before mm. four four times before the Covid thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. yeah, she was part of the league and John somehow I think we got talking about murder one night on a night out. Possibly yeah.
3: I mean, I've got a note of it somewhere. It's not even murder. It's, it's much worse than that. So, yeah, because I was kind of like, oh, we want to start this podcast, but it, it can't just be me and Gareth because the world doesn't need this two foul blokes talking about <laughs> the <food>. literally what <laughs> podcasting does not need. And, it, you know, it was like, you know, the, the, you had that night out a few months ago with Claire and you started talking about sustainable sex aids made out of recyclable material. Like, a lot of us found that quite funny. you should try Claire she's like a human non sequitur Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah okay like why not so that's
4: how I was selected I texted Claire
3: on my birthday out of the blue to say would you like to would you like to start a podcast like right it's my birthday I'm getting old we're doing it now I decided I literally for the entire time I know it's, it's unprecedented times as we've sort of got out of the habit of saying but like and I haven't I haven't been in the same room as Claire for the entire COVID period. Literally yeah. the last time we were in a room together was March 2020.
4: Although um, I went out for a meal with your missus on Tuesday.
3: Ha <laughs> oh, <rude. laughs> ha Yeah, so I haven't been in a room with Claire since March 2020 and, and Claire and Gareth have, have, to my knowledge, never been in a room together. It's it's crazy that we have now. We've but we've started a small media organisation together. <laughs>
4: I mean, small. We can't even get a HelloFresh sponsorship, so it's very small.
0: <laughs>
4: We're in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. No worries.
1: Yeah. All right. I have a feeling your co-hosts are going to love this question. Gareth, why did you choose to move to Scotland?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from everything we've previously discussed, I think. Um, it's not safe. There. Desperately because... As, as has been alluded to, I worked in the same office as John for a while. We still work for the same organization. And he kept saying to me, do you want to do this podcast? And I kept coming up with excuses. And then I just <laughs> thought the best thing to do is to move 350 miles away and then maybe he'll stop. Did he stop? No, but I admire his tenacity. So I, I acquiesced and I said, yes, okay, I will do this podcast. Other than that, the beautiful scenery the fact that we walk 10 yards out of our door and there's a beach for the dogs to run on and we drive 6 minutes down the road and there's a woodland for them to run in and just essentially just to get away from people in general that's fair there was a mm-hmm. there was a thing that we were discussing or we we were thinking about and i was looking into the last time a murder happened on the isle of skye which i guess for our american listeners is a bit like Long Island, but with less people and more sheep. I don't know. I've never been to Long Island. So well, there's been
1: a lot of murders in Long Island. So unless it's the same,
2: no, unless the, the, the
0: sheep are committing all the murders, I
3: think uh, it's well
0: different.
1: the wolves in sheep's clothing.
3: Good, yeah. yeah nice. the, thing, right? the mainland Florida. I'm trying to think of islands. It's kind of like <laughs> Just uh, of islands in general. <laughs> Vancouver Island? <laughs> Mainly I know that's a different North American country. No no, they had all the murderers in the nineties, so no, you don't want to go to Vancouver. But, but anyway, no, the last, the, yeah. Furthest, yeah. Key, the furthest key from the main name, Florida, that's where you are. There we go.
2: And the the last murder that happened here was in um, two thousand fifteen, <laughs> and it was a woman who killed her husband in an argument over a packet of cigarettes. Wow. So I feel I feel pretty safe here. The amount of times that we've gone to the to the pub. Your room, wife doesn't smoke. Yeah, and I remain unmurdered, so that's good. <laughs> two for two. Yeah, and, and the amount of times we've come back, left the keys literally in our back door, and then just gone to bed and woken up the next morning and gone, opened the door and then, oh, we've left the keys in the door for the fiftieth time. People, if you're listening, I'm not going to give out my address, so don't bother trying to find me.
1: Well, they know know you're now on an island. Yeah. And they know the name. Yeah. And they know you're not the sheep. So you've really narrowed it down,
2: (laughs) i got to tell you. There's like 10,000 houses on this island. It's fine. There you go.
3: So what Gareth isn't saying is that both him and me really, really, really do not want to go to our employer's corporate away day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Gareth has come up with a brilliant way of getting out of it that I somehow have failed to uh, to do so far. That, that, and it's
2: legitimately my wedding anniversary. And so I'm not going to drive eight hours to, uh, to attend that.
3: So I- what I'm doing on my wedding anniversary.
2: What are you doing, John?
3: We're doing Everyone Dies in Sunderland.
1: <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. We can cancel so- that. It's fine. <laughs>
3: It's nothing
2: is more important than your your happiness, John. It's
1: true. Yep. All right. So, John, oh, we God. know from chatting with you all before that you're a bit of a history buff. What's one era in history that you can't get enough of? Ooh.
3: Oh, that's a great question. Um, the, the thing I tend to be, okay, I think we previously, I don't know if it's ever come up in the um, the show we did together before. My microphone stand is broken, so I have to prop up the weightiest book I can find. So tonight we've gone with uh, it's Richard Nixon, the arrogance of power, um, yep. which is sort um, of the back end of the, of the level of history that I tend to go for. But for some reason there's the period 1964 to 1970 when uh, Harold Wilson was prime minister in the UK, and he had very very strong cabinet. Love kind of iconic figures from sort of mid twentieth century British history. And, you know, they've all they've all written books or had books written about them. So I've basically read that period of history, a particularly narrow period of history, so many times. Like I've read that now from the perspective of Harold Wilson, Roy Jenkins, Dennis Healy, Tony Ben, Barbara Castle, all And I still can't get enough of um, the story where there was um, a run run on the pound that was happening. And the only thing, oh, George Brown as well, the only thing they could think of to stop it happening was to declare a spontaneous public holiday in the middle of the night to stop the banks opening the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) That works. Yeah, it's one of the weird ways about how our no constitution, technically an absolute monarch who just doesn't really bother getting involved in that kind of thing, you have to get these people called the Privy Council together who are kind of like the Queen's advisors, but they only have a very formal, like a rubber stamping role. So they basically, like the government will do stuff and then like some old, some government figures who are basically the government, go to go and see the Queen and go, this is what we're doing. And they're the Privy Council. It's called Privy as we're going old-fashioned language because like the old-fashioned word for toilet, because if you go back to ancient kings, like these people were allowed to chat to the king while he was having a poo. That's literally our, how our I constitution works.
0: remember reading about that and being like, wow, that's cool. And by cool, I mean gross.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so they have to get a certain amount of, of cabinet members together in the middle of the night. And they have to get the Queen out of bed, like at four in the morning. it's for the Queen to say, yeah, it's fine for public holiday. So they had to literally get the Queen out of bed. They had to get like 10, ten cabinet ministers go over to Buckingham Palace in the middle of the night, get the Queen out of bed in her nighty, just to go, we need a bank holiday to stop the banks failing tomorrow morning. Can we have that, please, Your Majesty? One of the members of the Cabinet, the Deputy Prime Minister, in fact, was a guy called George Brown, who's very colourful. I'd love to do a show on him. I said, can we do, can we do a massive sidebar of George Brown? There's an apocryphal story about George Brown, which is the thing that people know him for best, which is um, probably not true, but it's, it's kind of it's something that would happen. So he was Foreign Secretary as well, so... Um, Secretary of State so he was apparently in South America once and he was um, it's a lovely bit in my book about him Uh, his womanising was tolerated because people thought it was funny but his drinking was another matter (laughs) so there's a story about him going to some sort of fancy dinner in in an an embassy in South America on official business and going up to someone wearing a long purple dress and going madam may I have the next gun and the person replying uh, no, Mr. Brown, for three reasons. First of all, one, you're drunk. Two, this is not the waltz. This is the national anthem of Peru. And thirdly, I am the Archbishop of Lima. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, so he, he he basically, his thing, his vibe for this period is he's a brilliant, brilliant minister when he's sober, which is never. So his basic thing is to get drunk and uh, have a tantrum and resign from government and so this occasion, they couldn't find him. And like Wilson was like, "Well, we should have we should have deputy prime minister there, but he's probably just drunk somewhere. So we can't sit around waiting for him. We we'll have to go to the palace." And basically, Brown was so affronted uh, that he quit the next day. And there's apparently that he can there are like the two sides of the cabinet have this different perspective of of their what their dialogue was. And there's a bit like Brown is like, "Well, I wasn't drunk actually on this occasion." <laughs> So that's that's basically my favourite period of history. But as, as I think we've, we've discussed previously, like I could I could read Robert Caro's books um, about Lyndon B. Johnson all day, every day, and and mostly do. So can you please get a, get a move on with the one that comes after the first 100 days of his administration? <laughs> We're not getting any younger. We're all quite worried. It's, we said before it's the George R. R. Martin of, of politics nerds. Like, please don't die before you finish. Get a move on.
2: And for those people keeping score at home, John's mic is propped up on a copy of Biography of Richard Nixon. My uh, work laptop is propped up on a copy of Superman 78. (laughs) It was the um, difference between
3: our styles. But, like, it's a George Brown, there's a lovely bit in there. If I wasn't using the mic, I'd use it as well because, like, I'm sort of paying paying Nixon a bit of a compliment here, but um, quite similar in temperament to George Brown. In 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 the latter days of his period, which he's self medicating on a variety of things quite a lot, and uh, since we survived, uh, it's quite fun to watch. But there's 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 several moments when uh, he orders a nuclear strike because he's drunk in the middle of the night, and like there's a quote from Kissinger saying things like, "I think that the president of the United States deserves the opportunity to sober up and reconsider this." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Claire, yes. when not working on the podcast, you work with a variety of animals. Since you weren't allowed to have indoor dogs growing up, what inspired <laughs> you to pursue this as a profession? <laughs> <laughs> you like how democratic that was.
4: Yeah, it was. It was very democratic. So, <laughs> I had quite an unconventional upbringing. Um, <laughs> So anyone, if you haven't listened to Everyone Dies in Sun, then you, you should because you'll find out about growing up in the countryside. So my family are from blood background. So we do hunting, fishing, shooting, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was always around animals and fascinated by them. So I'm not a serial killer, but I did do pre-serial killer things. So when I was okay. little. Listening-
2: <laughs> you've, you've, you've omitted the fact that your family are from a blood spots background, and the hunting, the fishing, and the shooting are actually referring to other people rather than animals. <laughs>
4: yes. <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah.
3: That, that's, that's the story they tell in the day, certainly. Yeah, it is.
4: I wasn't a murderer. She was never caught. That's how I got away with it. Um, So I did things like taxidermy. I was fascinated by like when I was at secondary school, I was fascinated by biology. So like whenever we were given like a pig's lung or a cow's heart to dissect, I was fascinated by things like that and I was like okay animals Um, and because we're into shooting we had dogs that worked outside they weren't allowed to live inside but they were allowed to be outside so I was involved in the training of them so then I ended up going to university and studied for animal behavior and then I ended up in the job that I'm in today but yeah I have a lot of weird and wonderful skills that people don't realize but yeah (laughs) I'm a bit of a creep I just don't, (laughs) don't let it out straight away. This is why I'm single, isn't it? (laughs) Possibly, maybe.
1: No, no. (laughs) I I tell you what, you come, if you, if you come to the US and go into the like mid south, you'd be wifed up
4: pretty fast. I feel like that's where I need to be. I missed my true birthplace. I should have been brought up in, in, in the mid south. And like yeah.
1: Arkansas, Louisiana. Not oh, Louisiana.
0: Yeah. Don't insult her.
4: She could,
1: she could hunt gators. Are you kidding? Oh my god, I would love to do- <laughs> See? Thank you.
4: Like you know, oh, what is that program when we were little? We used to watch it. And in America in the swamps, they had them big fans on the back of the thing and you could ride through oh, the yeah. swamps on them. Always yep. wanted to do that.
2: Was that a program when we were little?
4: What? I feel like it was definitely on a TV show when we were little. I can't remember what the show was. It was definitely on Only Fools and Horses, but there was an American show. <laughs> it was also an American show where it featured.
3: It was a gentle bear. I don't know why they would have a bear on like a hovercraft.
4: It might have been. I think
3: it might have been.
4: It might have been.
3: Because mm. yeah,
4: the bear and then he had a beard. Or was that Grizzly Adams?
0: Could have been either, honestly. It's <laughs>
4: Is
1: she so, yeah. talking about red-green, Lindsay?
0: Mm, maybe.
4: No, he's northern.
0: Yeah, he's northern. He wouldn't be southern.
4: He wouldn't yeah. have a fan, a fan. Like I don't know what you call them, but they go through the swamps. It's just a fan. For anyone who's not.
3: to a There's a climactic chase on, uh, on those airboats.
1: Oh, funny. All I can think of now is swamp people. Oh, swamp people is such yeah. a good show. I think it's always funny when they, like, put their arms out into the swamp and then they capture this, like, prehistoric fish. And they're just like, they're like, yeah, he's biting my arm, but I'm going to eat him. And it's like, what? (laughs) What's happening? Like, I'm just sitting in Target, (laughs) not understanding. (laughs) We're in the
4: same area. I don't understand. (laughs) Some people, mountain men, anything like that.
3: My my understanding of, of Florida law, at least, is you're only allowed to kill a gator if it's a nuisance.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's the exact right.
3: word. A, you can kill a nuisance gator, but not a gator. But how do you it
4: identify the a nuisance? nuisance?
3: Does it have to exactly. get a the gospel? It keeps nudging you when you're trying to read. It, it's always <laughs> growing out of its shoes yeah. and going, I need some more school shoes, Dad.
0: I'm assuming nuisance. if it like, comes in your backyard and tries to eat your yeah. dog or something, and you're just like, hmm. You're kind of right. annoying me.
1: I saw a video recently of a Florida man who had like this little dog <laughs> that like a gator got it and he just like punched it really hard in the face and like took his dog out and like the dog was fine. And then he like released the gator. That's I such just, a Florida thing He punched it do. really hard and then the gator was like, damn, okay. <laughs> oh
0: my God. <laughs> you don't have to be rude about it.
1: Right. Like God, man. <laughs> I was trying to get some fast food. This is terrible service.
4: Punching a gator in the face.
1: (laughs) Like Like people punch
4: shark, like you're
1: supposed to punch a shark in the face Mm -hmm. if they have your arm, like their nose.
4: Mm -hmm. I'll poke them in the eye. Apparently that does something as well. I
1: feel like that'd be hard to do because they're like,
4: like you're already one arm less,
1: right? And then you're trying to.
4: Unless it's yeah. got you on your middle, and then you can be like, okay, that's fucked. Let's just and then here. you just go like this. You just start winging at him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Use a pincher.
4: Yeah. There you go. It's always
1: the eyes in the shark movies, isn't it? Oh, it's always, always the eyes. Oh, God. The eyes. All right. <laughs> Speaking of shows, Gareth, you review TV shows and movies for a living. What is one series that you covered that you wish people would stop watching altogether?
2: Ooh. Ooh, no, that, that is a good question Stop watching them together yeah. oh, oh, There are so many But none of them translate to an American audience That's the problem The last three seasons of Doctor Who I'd quite like to wipe those from existence And people just shouldn't watch those Not because there's a female Doctor Because I feel That we should treat women As if they are equal to men So that's fine but it's just terrible writing, and mm. you know, a little little space frogs and things like that. It's no, it's it's not right.
1: It's no weeping angel.
2: It's no weeping angel. No, a little frog on a chair speaking telepathically to you isn't isn't the same as a, <laughs> as a weeping angel. My wife hates the weeping angels because she can't conceive of the fact that although they can move when you don't look at them. They don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to move when you don't look at them. There are lots of times in which the Weeping Angels, people are not looking at them. And some of them stay still, and that's their choice. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But she gets really irate at that, and I don't know why. (laughs) So, yeah, but but she only likes the Matt Smith Doctor Who anyway, so that's that's fine. Mm. Mrs. Brown's Boys, do you get that out there?
4: Oh, that's awful, that show. <laughs> oh, no, I don't, I'm not
2: a, familiar a, you. An Irishman dragged up to playing an old Irish sort of mammy character. And it's essentially just like in, in this country, we've got a great tradition of pantomime, which is, you know, essentially theatre at Christmas time, ostensibly for children, but full yeah. of the most filthy jokes you will ever come across in your entire life. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so Shrek. Yeah. Much,
2: yeah. It's more grand yeah.
3: what Gareth's getting towards. More
2: but Mrs. Brown's voice is like a, a version of that that removes the intelligence that we would grant to children and just goes straight for the lowest common denominator and is is, is appalling, I'm trying to think of something that I've a TV series that I've seen that I don't that American audiences would would resonate with you on <laughs> Netflix. It's So
1: Okay. My okay wife, again this is something
2: my wife watches and, and and I get that the main character is meant to be kind of evil but mm-hmm. I just wish he wouldn't be so uncharismatically cardboard with it because he's just unlike, he's not unlikable because he's a villain, he's just unlikable because he's, it's not even that he's a dick, he's just not witty and not entertaining, mm-hmm. he's just, it's like, I rewatched the first episode, it's sort of in the background while I was, I was reading comics, but I was really watching it, and, yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. does like this whole inner monologue about a guy and kind of scoffs, it's like, oh hey, look at this dude, huh, yeah, whatever, and <sighs> Nothing he says (laughs) is in the slightest bit humorous, insightful, or makes you go, "Yeah, he's got a good point." You know, he's not an antihero; he's just a dick. So you, as another one, I think the only likable character in all of you is the main woman in the first series, but then she's unlikable because she kind of thinks that the psycho's a hunk. So I I don't know. A lot, a lot of TV shows I I don't get on with. Yeah. I don't like you either, Claire.
4: <laughs> and that's why He's you live on an island.
1: <laughs> All right. So the last question before we get into our cramp words. Mm-hmm. So for so for each of you, I'll start with Claire first. Okay. For our American listeners, what's one extremely British thing about yourself that they should know about? Ooh. Extremely
0: British. Hmm. I write all the hard hitting questions.
1: <laughs> Watch out, Barbara Walters.
0: I'm coming for your job.
1: <laughs> I'm tiring early. Extremely British.
4: So.
2: Extremely British. Shockingly violent evening.
4: <laughs> um, probably. My politeness and my I apologize for everything. Even if I've not done anything wrong. So I'm one of them people who will if I bump if someone bumps into me on a street, I will apologize to them and say, <laughs> Oh sorry. Or if someone needs to pass me at a doorway, I'm always like, Oh, I'm sorry. It's like I've been to the gym tonight and we were putting all the barbells and dumbbells and all the shit away. Every time someone walked towards my trajectory, I apologize and I'm like, I'm apologizing for just existing. I don't feel like that's quite a British thing.
3: It really is though. I, it's I've a Midwestern western
1: thing too. It's yeah. um, but instead of say instead of Folly saying I'm sorry, we got oh. Yep. <laughs> what? Oh what? sorry. Sorry. Oh sorry. Yep. There what was there? a
3: study done and um, of like just basically bumping into people in the street, international study of people bumping into the street. And eighty percent of British people if you if you bump into them on purpose will apologize for you hitting yeah. them. And the Japanese are the only people who apologise more under those circumstances.
0: <sighs> interesting. I can see that. Yes. Yeah.
3: All right. It's very interesting actually. I don't know if that question is coming to me, but it's it's um it is. it's like, yeah, Fred i am saving the trouble. Do you want to ask <laughs> that again? you? To, I'm ready for the question, Jeremy. <laughs> But um, like a friend friend of the show, uh, we we called him Florida Man now because he he
0: Florida sent me a text.
3: Why don't I have a nickname? So we had to give him because he mm-hmm. he's a school friend of mine who weirdly lives in Florida now, about an hour away from my parents, which is weird but great from holiday perspective. <laughs> right. But he's obviously now married to um, an American woman, and she said like um, being married to a British man and um, you know have, meeting his British friends is what what makes you British um, is. Being polite to people you hate and cruel to people you love. <laughs> I think that's that's, that's what we do. Right that's in. British. Yeah.
1: Okay, again, I think that's also Midwestern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do we not do the same? We thing? call it
0: passive aggressive here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, or no, Minnesota nice. Mm, yes, you're really nice to the people you don't like, and the people mm-hmm. you love. You're basically like eat shit and die. Yeah, yes. I love you. Yeah. yeah.
3: That woman, by the way, is uh, the writer Lauren Gibaldi, uh, whose new book is out. And I can't remember what it's called, but you can read it and we can't because it isn't available in this country. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. What a friend I am, though, for checking your phone. There you go. Um, Plug it.
1: All right, your turn, Gareth. What's the most British thing, extremely British thing?
2: Two things. One, I am being incredibly restrained this evening because I usually use the C word in almost every sentence I utter.
1: <laughs>
2: so you know, I don't, I don't want that little e thing next to your podcast, so I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll do it on our podcast because fundamentally, you know, as I've said, or as we've said, I will happily ruin John's life, but uh, I, feel, <laughs> I feel it necessary to ruin yours, and that is out of genuine politeness rather than um, and you know, essential hatred. And the second thing is that I probably own. Upwards of thirty different types of tea. Oh, oh wow. wow! And in fact, the only tea I don't like is the standard English breakfast tea. Right. She would go everywhere, which is not British of me. But instead, my go-to, like Captain Picard, is Earl Grey hot.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> who drinks <Earl> grey
2: <laughs> me about 75 cups a day <laughs> that's right earl grey <gasps> like sang um Yum. green minty whiskey blend i've got which is quite nice russian caravan green tea. uh queen anne tea what sorry lady grey but i've not it tastes like opal fruits it's not good
4: you think I was tea? a heathen when I went on? Whenever I go anywhere on this is also probably quite a British thing. Whenever I go anywhere on a holiday, and I know that I'm going to struggle to get tea, I carry my own tea bags, and I'll go to Starbucks and ask them just for some hot water, and I'll make my own brew. Hit <laughs> <laughs> on that.
3: If we were to jump back, like to, to the start of this conversation, I think it's before we started recording, it, and like. Gareth's wife packing and his dog's not liking it. If so I was thinking, Claire's packing to go on holiday, I would say Claire is packing an entire suitcase of baked beans. Oh <laughs> <laughs> we we'll like the food when I get there!
2: <laughs> In answer to, to your question, Madison, I think that Queen Anne Blend is an entirely made-up tea, made up by Fortnum & Mason, the London, <laughs> famous London proprietor of all sorts of nonsense that isn't Harrods simply to sort of boost their sales and exclusivity. I've had it a few times and I literally can't tell the difference between that and normal tea. And as as we've established, I drink a lot of tea. So There
0: we go. Good for now.
3: This is the voice of Vrilim, a representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command. We come to warn you of the destiny of your race and your world, so that you may communicate to your fellow beings the course you must take to avoid the disaster which threatens your world. Not really, it's John from Everyone Dies in Sunderland interrupting the show. Just like children in southern England in 1977 had a Looney Tunes cartoon interrupted by a six-minute broadcast hijack claiming to be the voice of an alien intelligence warning them of imminent apocalypse. And that's what our show is all about, the bizarre and alarming events that traumatised the generation who grew up in the 80s and 90s, and in particular, the crimes which took place down the end of our road. Myself, my friends, Gareth and Claire have looked at all sorts of astonishing and bizarre crimes. Televised shooting sprees carried out by chicken-throwing men, attempts to commit the perfect murder with the aid of Japanese erotica and stencils, and we've just completed a three-part series on March 1988, when Britain had an odd couple of weeks of public executions, lynchings, and even a gunfight at a funeral. And, if you're a fan of older crimes, we've just done a Halloween special in which we looked at the case of demonic possession and axe murder in 17th century Durham. You can find us on all the podcasting platforms or come chat to us on Twitter at EveryoneDiesPod or at Everyone underscore underscore in Sunderland on Instagram or search for us on Facebook. But remember, the crimes we cover are very rare. Do sleep well. Don't have nightmares.
0: All right. You guys ready for some slang terms? Ooh, let's do it. All right. John, you're up first. Oh, God. Oh,
2: is it one by one? Oh, no. It's one by one.
4: I picked ones
0: for each of you.
4: My guesses are going to be shocking.
0: (laughs) John, your first term is shoot into the brown.
3: (laughs) Right.
2: I mean, come on. Is it
3: a brief sense of euphoria? Followed by crushing disappointment when you thought that the label was going to come off the VHS cleanly um, in one (laughs) go without leaving any of that sticky residue behind. And then it breaks.
0: In a sense, yes, because it is to fail.
3: Oh, well. Ah. There we go. That should be in like season two of the Squid Game, shouldn't it? (laughs) Or at least the British American I've not watched it yet. Don't.
4: I haven't either, no spoilers.
3: The squid dies. Ah.
0: He shoots into the brown. <laughs> <laughs> or the black, I suppose, if it's ink. you know. <laughs> so Claire, your uh-huh. first term is bubble around.
4: Bubble around. <laughs> bubble around. I feel like it's what I do on a daily basis. So my description of it would be... To not really have a direction and just sort of aimlessly wander. Okay. With your thoughts more than your body.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're not just like wandering around in the countryside.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bubble around is a verbal attack generally made in the press. Hmm. Bubble around? Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
4: You'd think it would sound more aggressive than that. That sounds like something that, I don't know, Ariel would sing on a rock to
0: Sebastian about (laughs) 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 like.
2: Ten years in journalism, never heard that term, but... Yeah. Bubble
0: around. Bubble around. Gareth, your first term is gadding the hoof.
2: Gadding the hoof.
0: Yes. (sighs) Or hoof, I guess. Gadding the hoof.
2: Yeah, but... As as you might find out, a huff is something that people go into when they're unhappy in England, so it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> I'm under a lot of pressure to be funny now, because these two last guys were funny. <laughs> what are funny? Can I make something up like John would say? Is it the sense of ennui after an evening's <laughs> vomiting? <laughs> I don't know. Gadding the huff. Well, to gad about... Means to sort of be a bit of a Jack the Lad and and, and maybe a a player. Um, so <laughs> is it something to do with having sex with horses? <laughs> no. no. Uh, I, I se- seriously gadding about gadding 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 the hoof. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is it to to be severely? remonstrated to be to be chewed out or to be a bit a bit like Claire's but just you know face to face. Getting the hoof means to go without shoes. Oh well I didn't realise we were being literal
0: <laughs> <laughs> so John your second term is Poked up, like, like poke.
3: <laughs> That's what you <he> said. <laughs> it, give
2: me all of these. Is a happily married man?
3: <laughs> married.
2: He's a married man. He's a married, <laughs> He's a married man.
3: Uh, is it the sense of insecurity you get when your kid brings home like the last stuffed toy mascot for the weekend? And you've got nothing planned, and you think all the parents are going to read the write-up in Zelda the Zebra's diary and think that family shit?
0: Potentially.
3: Oh god, is it. We did it once, right? And one of the families literally put um did a, a recipe a, a recipe for a pesto using only woodland foraged ingredients.
2: <laughs> I sent you yeah. still a note about this, John. Yeah.
3: I can't top that. We're just like I mean we might walk the dog at some point.
1: Ooh, that's good. They have your own truffle pig.
3: <laughs> yeah, do I get it right? Does it count?
0: Poked up means embarrassed. No, there we
1: go. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs>
3: I'm going to come on every show from now on. I'm going to take you all, any other podcaster out there, it's going to be me. I am the king of the cramp word. I feel like you're winning just through a
2: sheer bloody mindedness of refusing not to admit that, that your description is not
3: what the answer was. It's embarrassment. <laughs> embarrassed that, you know, Brayden, Aiden, Jaden, Jade Kaden you know, all their parents... Had a, they were all, that was literally one my class at, at nursery, my kid. Uh, had all the I The Daenerys, which was very short-sighted in retrospect. <laughs>
0: Claire, your second term is make a stuffed bird laugh.
3: <laughs> she makes her own stuffed bird. That's
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> but can she make it laugh? I mean, if you tickle it in the right
4: place. I mean, <laughs> that That's what she said. <laughs>
1: I, I think we're now falling into animal crimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you tickle it, it in the, the right spoiler. place.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> making this dumb... Hang on. Hmm. I'm going to go completely off the wall here. So I think it's something to do with a sport. So it's probably like. Hitting a shuttlecock
0: right in badminton
4: or something ridiculous like that.
0: Make a stuffed bird laugh means absolutely preposterous. Oh! So, so in, a, in a way, you kind of got it. You am
2: still saying it, that. In no way any of us got any of these.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that in a staff meeting this week.
3: I'm like,
4: make a stuffed bird laugh.
3: <laughs> That's part of your annual performance review, wasn't it? Like, Claire, by the end of the year, you've got to make a stuffed bird laugh. <laughs> 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 I don't need it. I've it since I was a kid.
0: Gareth, your second term is suggestionise.
2: Suggestionise? Mm-hmm. Firstly, can I say <laughs> I'm feeling very seen oh, by God. being last in all of these questions. Even when Madison tried to shake it up by asking Claire the question first, I was still last. I feel like I'm I'm surface requirements here. Is it is is suggestionize one of those awful Americanisms that you do where you fail to get the correct term, like when you say addicting rather than addictive, or because well, that really drives me mad. Suggestionize does it mean is does it mean to I mean, I'm going literal again. Visualize a suggestion? Kind of. Oh, yeah. I already knew it. I've got it. I've already got it.
0: You already got it. It's yeah. a legal term from 1889 that means to prompt.
2: Oh, OK. So, not at all what I said. But, <laughs> but you suggested. It. OK. I suggestionized it. <laughs> you and suggestionized we all thought it. And um, yeah. We all went there.
0: <laughs> all right. Now, before we started recording, John mentioned that he had a bit of a game for us, so I'll let you take it away.
3: Oh, blimey. So we, we thought we would have a, a cramp word of our own, because the, the part of the uh, the England or Britain, that we're from is kind of known for having its own vernacular, probably more than in most other areas. It, it kind of generally gets lumped together as Geordie, which is the accent and dialect spoken in Newcastle, but obviously Sunderland is the name of our podcast, so technically it would be Macham. If you're from Sunderland, it would be from from a place between the two called South Shields. It would be Sand Dancer from Northumberland, north of our typical Pitmatic. But basically it all comes under, we've got our own kind of vernacular and phrases, which are kind of unique to the region.
2: Sorry, the one thing that I found really interesting uh, as somebody who sort of is a bit of a linguist and who moved to Scotland is just the sheer amount of crossover that... Mm-hmm. Scotland, obviously, even this far in the Western Isles has, too, a lot of the Northeast. So while some of these may be, John may claim they are, words from the Northeast, it's the same as him claiming that a murder in Gibraltar falls under the remit of everyone dies in Sunderland, (laughs) which is to say, potentially not at all.
3: But... Well, Gareth, the, the reason for that is anyone who's who's watched the Horrible Histories excellent Viking song, which is a pastiche of um, Garfunkel and sorry, Simon Garfunkel, you will know that the two areas colonised by the Vikings are North Scotland and North England, and that's why there's a shared vernacular between Western Scotland and North East England, which comes from Viking occupation. Uh, in particular, obviously the Geordie word bairn for child is also mm-hmm. Norwegian. If you were to say anganyam in Norway and East England, and probably Scotland, people would know I am returning to my home now because uh, it's basically the same phrase wherever you go. So that's why it's essentially just saying things as if you're drunk. Really,
4: you mean how I talk twenty percent of the time?
3: <laughs> <There's>, yeah, <no. laughs> did you did you did you two, Looking at my co have any, or, um, or shall I just throw them out? And you want to translate? I've got,
2: them? I've, well, I've, I've got a couple, but not. Yeah. you you can start, John. No, you start.
3: John. I'll term, start,
4: well. I'll start, fuck you both, I'll start.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Where's this come from, young lady?
4: I don't know, but it's coming out. Right, <laughs> so you can both attempt to answer what you think it might be. Okay. Okay, so the sentence is, that chav twocked me cats
2: <laughs> That chav twocked me
3: cats I thought you said keks. it's a very different phrase. Ket.
4: That chav twocked me keks, not me keks. That would also be a, yeah. You're right. It's a yeah. That would work as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's more likely to happen to Claire, to be fair.
0: I'm gonna guess it's something along the lines of that dick stole my purse. Oh, I
1: was oh, awesome. that. So isn't isn't chav like a douche, a douchebag, or like yeah, like with, a guy with the, the like, element
3: of kind of snobbishness?
1: Yeah, so like a douche
3: can say So, so I've like, uh, gone that, with Chava, that, which is the more more appropriate northeast. That douchebag like tried
1: to flirt with me and impress mm-hmm.
4: me, and it didn't work.
3: Sort of. That's pretty. Uh, like Chav, Chav. I don't like the phrase. It's not really a northeast one. That, chav that kind is of quite means so
4: We used to say yeah, Chava.
3: It's a. It's yeah. It, it's kind of a like all all-purpose scummy person. phrase but i think it kind of became it's kind of like it's like the equivalent of karen it was it was a good shorthand for about five minutes after which it became misogyny the same with chow like it was a shorthand for something for about five minutes and it became all poor people and yeah it's chava chava is written local thing which is absolutely fine
4: so to Mm -hmm. translate it would be that dickhead stole my sweet
3: your sweets,
2: sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Ah.
2: However, if it was kex, it would be uh, trousers. Or trousers underpants, are under all underpants. is Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> all right.
3: Well, again? I
1: hope I don't have to use that ever, that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead stole my pants.
0: <laughs> worst housewarming party ever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, like, worst funeral. <laughs>
1: At least they have a truffle pig. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so
2: mine is a bit more from, I, I, I think, probably the smoggy end of, of things, as we were talking before. I'm from
3: Teesside, so I am a smoggy. But- you go through all of them, right? So Geordie is a bit – it means it's either the kind of mining lamp used on the north of the time or they followed King George. During various civil upheavals. That's Newcastle. Mackham is a Sundland one, which is basically about being a shipbuilding area. So we Mack the ships, they tack the ships, and that's how saying make them in a Sunderland accent. Ah, oh, we them and they tack them. <laughs>
2: um, Smoggy
3: right. is Garrispit Bit because there is horrific air pollution from their industrial smog.
2: Got it. That's All why right. I'm so short. <laughs> 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 uh, so I got the black glory, <laughs> <clone, laughs> Daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him, mother. He's coming for me, finally. <laughs> I will rest now. <laughs> anyway, so mine is two that have a very similar meaning. Uh, very similar words, that have a very similar meaning. It's either an oggy or an og-up. And you can, you. it's essentially sort of a verb. You, you give an oggy, or you give an og-up.
1: I feel like an og-up would be like a leg-up. Mm. Okay. Like you kind of give give them
0: a benefit, give them a break. Hmm. Give
3: it, oggy. I don't know this
2: one either.
0: Like lift them up or... yeah.
2: Uh, are or you talking metaphorical more... lift or are you talking physical lift?
0: Physical lift.
2: Yeah, well done. Yes, um, an og-up is essentially this gesture underneath somebody's foot to pick yeah, nice. them over a wall where they will presumably go and steal something, <laughs> and an oggy is very much like an ogre, but it's a, li- a lift on the back of somebody's bike.
4: Oh, now, okay. In my end of the woods, it would be called a croggy or a craggy. Not an oggy. Go. There you go. All right. Go on then, John. So you can't have subtitles in real life there, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, I've, I've got three. Oh, um, wow, of course you have.
2: Teachers pet.
3: <laughs> First one is
2: Hoy a hammer over here hini. That's a phrase, not a word, by the way. Yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. slow, slow <laughs> it
0: down just a tiny bit. Say Hoy a hammer over here,
3: hini. Hoy a hammer over here, hini.
0: Just like come over here, honey.
3: That's not bad, but it's a a particular thing that you you you're being requested to do when you do come over there. Hmm. Which has made it sound ruder than it is.
2: Oh yeah, because we've not had enough of that with stick it in the pink and <laughs> whatever you these two f- filth monsters said earlier in them Yeah
4: <laughs> What are you doing this for? <laughs> this is on YouTube because if it is you need to like blow my fingers
1: <laughs> Oh, let's see um, is, it to, is it to come fix something? Put your hammer over
3: here? Yes. Yeah. On. yeah. it on. Oh. It is. Please, please could you pass me the hammer, female of whom I am fond.
0: Mm. Yeah. All right.
3: Did you two have any other ones?
0: I have
4: another one. Right. So, the word is dotty.
0: <laughs>
4: Stotty? Stotty. And you could use it in a sentence like this. I'm going to Greg's for a ham and cheese, uh, no, ham and peas pudding study.
1: <laughs> hmm. So, like a really greasy spoon, kind of like gross comfort meal. Like
0: a, like a, like a casserole.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so it's a sandwich, right? Ham and study. So study is essentially. A flat bread that was developed in the ovens in the northeast of England. So I think it was made from the leftovers that they had. They would roll it into a bowl, put it on the base of the oven, it would be flat. And ham and peas pudding is the filling of choice that I would have in my study, although I can't eat them anymore because it's the gluten. Mm. Mm. And I it makes you. me sad
0: all the time. So it's like a sandwich.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's 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 a it's a bread bun, but it can also be used as a term for a sandwich. So you know, yeah, okay. you know, there, there is a a bun, and it's a ham and cheese bun. No, okay. Uh, in in deference to, Scottish, bad, <laughs> deference to my Scottish deference to my Scottish adopted home, I will very quickly ask you. I guess stop shoogling. You look glick at.
1: Stop staring, you ugly idiot.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's unwarranted aggression, Madison. I wasn't even looking at you.
0: That's just rude.
2: You came out with that super quick.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say... I'm going to say stop shouting, you dumb bitch. Stop. Okay, I'm aggressive. <laughs> I'm,
2: <you> <laughs> I'm the aggressive one. I'm allowed one per show. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were both quite right in your last one, but it's to be gleck it is to look foolish or stupid and to shugle is to it's it fundamentally to shake, but colloquially it also means dance. So it would be something along the lines of Stop dancing. You look like an idiot.
0: Like the Elaine dance. Like, stop doing Mm. the Elaine. Yeah,
2: Yeah. exactly. Okay. But those are more predominantly Scottish, so I'm throwing a a Scottish bonus in for you there. Okay. No extra charge to my usual podcast fee of $1,000. You can Venmo me. (laughs) um, Whatever.
1: Joke's on you. It's U.S. dollars. It's less. (laughs) (laughs)
2: The joke's on you. We've just had Brexit. I'll take anything I can
3: get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your next one, John?
3: Okay, well, there are two or more I've got. The, next, the first one um, is, I think, the absolute classic. I think we use it use it quite a lot. So and um, there's, there's been a hint so far, So I've said one of the words. It's shy bands getting out. Say it again, but slower. Shy bands getting out.
4: School's out.
2: Yeah. No. Shy bends, get out.
0: Shy bends, get out. Oh, is it something like sunset? Does it have to do with no. clock, like time? Yeah, it's,
2: again, it's a phrase, not a specific word.
1: Phrase. Hmm. Like you're finally going out. Night on the town.
0: Are
2: no. you letting the dog
1: out? who? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> out of all of them, I didn't think this one would be the most no. stupefying.
4: Shy Ben's getting out. I got nothing.
2: It's not like whipping your well, dick out. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> it is? What? Sorry, I missed that, Madison. I just. I was saying <laughs> she said,
0: it's not like whipping your dick out, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Shy Ben's coming out. It's coming yeah. out. Yeah.
3: That's the other out. end of the spectrum, I think. Like, there's Shy Burns getting out over here and whipping your dick out. And then, like, that's <laughs> literally as far away as you can get. You've gone far too far.
2: I don't know, John, because if you were on, for example, the dance floor you know, down the tune and you um, you fancied a bit of an evening with a lady, you know, Shy Burns getting out.
3: <laughs> and now it comes. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, to be fair. I've, I've, I've certainly heard that argument made by, by worse men than me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
0: So what does um, it really mean?
2: Oh, me or Claire? Yeah, Claire I, you I, tell them.
4: You're just pointing at the periphery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know where I am
4: before. on this screen. <laughs> it means that if you're quiet and you don't ask for it, you probably won't get it. So it's about... Being confident enough to say, actually, I want that thing. At least that's my understanding of the phrase.
2: Yeah. Or how shy,
3: shy children get nothing essentially.
2: Okay.
4: Mm.
0: So getting out means like you're getting what you want.
3: Uh, getting out is get nothing. Now it is nothing. So
0: there's something not you would well. like say to your to someone, like if you're out to order something
3: mm-hmm. and they're not
0: telling you what they want, you'd say that in response yeah. because they're not telling you what they want.
3: If you don't ask, you don't get. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: That makes sense. You're
4: not fast, you last, sort of thing. Gotcha. And, and my
3: last one is, um War Geordie's lost his penker down the cundy.
1: Okay, so this one has a dick, right? <laughs> it's not all about dicks. What is with you and dicks today? <laughs> Listen, got but spotted pudding. I don't know.
3: It's- it's actually a folk song, so I think the joke meant is to be that penka is meant to be yeah penis and kundi uh, a corresponding organ. <laughs> no. Oh,
0: that's
3: not that's not what George Jordy's lost his penka down the kundi means. Hmm.
1: Oh. It's mean he wasted his money. Somebody's
2: wasted their money. Mm.
3: In a manner that's of speaking, mean. but no. Yeah,
2: they've lost their money down the betting shop or whatever. Yeah, is it? No, so, no, so like. Uh, connection.
0: So, like, you've made a poor bet, poor decision,
2: poor decision. I'm intrigued,
3: now. I'm intrigued by Gareth suggesting that because that implies that, that Gareth heard it used for that. It would make no. I
2: haven't. No, know. I was just trying to connect the dots between <laughs> Madison's yeah. and and how it could legitimately be that I've never heard it. Make it,
3: you it for saying that if someone if someone had wasted their money, you could say it, but not literally. No.
2: Okay. Can I play this? Because I've never heard this phrase in my life. You know, I heard it on as well. <laughs> but neither <laughs> John, have you just made this up to look like?
3: <laughs> the, the, the just king of the I,
1: it's
3: all. So my, my uh, wife, conscious uh, premier Ellie Kemper impersonator is not from North. She's from Norfolk, and she calls ladybirds ladybugs bishy Barnabees. And I'm absolutely convinced she's made that up. <laughs> 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 <you hear> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good evening.
3: Yeah, she she told it to me. It's a song. Okay. No, 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 no. It was we're not gonna see
4: the moon. Hello, everyone. gonna it's a an experience. sort of sort of to see sort of 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 sort
3: of sort of sort of sort of sort of sort of sort of no. of no,
0: War well, lost Justice Penker of the Kundi is, <laughs> is a song from the northeast of England. And the first time I actually came across it, sorry to hijack everything, was with a group of 100 children in a school singing it. And I absolutely corpsed because I'm like, that's filth. You can't <laughs> sing that with like 100 children. So um, yeah. war is our in the northeast. Geordie is is the name of the child George.
2: War Geordie, our George has lost his penker. A penker is a big marble, so he's playing a game of marbles. And the kundi is a drain pipe. So our George oh. has lost
0: his in the drain pipe. Hmm. Oh. Penker in
4: the kundi.
3: <laughs> and in George's quick game, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to say, oh, War Geordie's lost his penker down the kundi immediately before one guys. <laughs>
2: As, as a, a polite request, can nobody ever say penker down the cundi again, ever? I would appreciate that. Thank you.
3: Yes. I, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't get that. My friend George has lost his best marble in a drain pipe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> I would like to thank John, Claire, and Gareth for joining us today for Can You Crack the Cramp Word? And before we all go, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media?
2: I leave that to these two. That's their expertise. I don't
3: know. <laughs> yeah, you can get in touch with us at everyone dies in Sunderland at gmail.com, at everyonediespod on Twitter or Claire Robinson.
4: Instagram is at everyone underscore dies underscore in underscore sunderland. And if you can find us on Facebook, just search for everyone dies in Sunderland and be sure to say hello.
0: All right. On that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.